You guys, it's another week of the 13th grade. So happy to have you here. Just some quick housekeeping before we dive in to the podcast today. Um, we will be taking a little break over the holidays, and I wanted to take a second to wish you all a really happy break. I hope that wherever you're working or going to school or whatever you're doing in life, that you are taking some time out for yourself, for your family. I hope you're able to get outside. Even if you live somewhere cold, I hope you will bundle up and go outside in the cold and just take a minute, take an hour to yourself, breathe the fresh air, spend time, some maybe masked time or outdoor time with family and friends, um, but do whatever you need over the next few weeks to refresh and to get ready for the next year. And let's all hope and pray that it's not as crazy a year as the past two have been, but I know I think most of our expectations are pretty low at this point. So whatever happens in 2022, um, I think things can only get better. And we're really happy to have you here. Like I said, I really hope that you'll get some time to rest over the next couple of weeks. And please reach out if you need anything from us, if you have any good ideas or introductions for upcoming podcasts. And um, you'll hear from us in a few weeks in 2022. So now you're going to be hearing from Josh all about his podcast, Boys Will Be Human, on the topic of masculinity. It's a really, really great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. See you next year. Welcome to the 13th grade. What are some of the moments you remember most about high school? It was the moments between the bells, off campus, and mostly after graduation. Not to say that at that time I wanted my situation to change, but I did want to experience something different. Some things in life are universal. Some things don't need a target market. It's about having the ability and freedom to think outside of your current situation. So grab a cup of coffee and a notebook if you want, and get ready to learn something. Welcome to the 13th grade. Hello, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to briefly introduce Josh Gannon, who is a longtime friend because he is the brother of a very close friend of mine. I won't give too much of an intro because I want him to introduce himself, but he's here to talk today with us about masculinity, toxic masculinity, and better versions of masculinity. And I'm, I'm excited to to pick his brain on the topic. So Josh, please let us know a little bit more about you, about your story, and kind of what led you to do what you're doing now. All right. Well, thank you for having me, Becca. I really appreciate it. Um, hi, I'm Josh. I host a podcast called Boys Will Be Human. And we talk about masculinity. It could be toxic masculinity or positive masculinity or healthy or just in different ways that masculinity has um, come into our everyday lives and our possible thoughts. And the idea came about because I'm not like a naturally like, oh, I want to host a thing or I want to start discussions. Not naturally. It usually takes like something bigger. I was working at a McDonald's in the middle of the pandemic and I was texting my wife at the drive through and um, I was like, I got to do something that's like bigger than this. I was having like a real... <laughs> bigger like existential crisis, which is very typical of me and, and um, at like, even at like 18. So it's not just cause I'm 31, but 
it definitely happened. And I was like, maybe I could do a podcast because I really like podcasts. And I really like conversations and I like interviews, especially when they're genuine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what can I talk about? I think I, I think I'm interested in like this whole idea. And I, I hadn't heard the term toxic masculinity for, I'd only heard about it not recently, like weeks recently, but it wasn't like on my mind in my early twenties in college. I'd heard about it a couple of years before and I was like, oh, this is so interesting. Cause it's like, I'm surrounded by it every day and, you know, I've said things that were toxic and I've done things that were toxic and I was like, oh, like, I think I'm this person, but, you know, I still have moments of, of toxic masculinity myself, like, even to this day, it's not like a, uh, I'm cured because I have this podcast. <laughs> I was like, I just got to do something like, and I was like, I'll just start a, I'll start a podcast and go and, and go from there and have just, and just have conversations. And I'm, very heavily on the idea of, of saying like, I'm not an expert. I'm learning this myself. And I say that probably almost every episode that I've done so far. And a lot of the other guests are really key into that too. Like, Hey, we're not, <laughs> we're not experts at this. We're just talking how, how we feel and experiences and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Well, that's one of the cool things about podcasts. It's like, we're all learning as we go. Yes. But what was like, so you were kind of thinking, I want to do a podcast and that topic was sort of interesting to you, but was there any, like looking back, is there anything that stood out to you as like, why you, why now, like why this, like, was there anything that was like, I have to do this or like, you know, this is the reason that this is more important than whatever other topic. To be honest, the push for me to think this way was the murder of, of George Floyd. And that really set it off. And then, you know, Brianna Taylor. And then when we heard about Ahmaud Arbery, even though he sadly was killed before George Floyd, Mm -hmm. and we're in the middle of the pandemic and we're kind of like stuck. For some reason, it was like that summer made me start thinking of like, oh, like, what am I doing? What's important to me? And like, actually, this is the world and not my white male privileged life. Like, that's not what I've gone through, there's a, so much going on and I'm not aware of it. And then I was just like, I started going to therapy years before and I started looking at myself, not differently, like in a bad way, but just like, oh yeah, look at, look at what you've done in general, like your actions and how do you feel? And I can be sometimes too introspective and reflective sometimes where it's like a detriment or it's like, I'm scared to do the next thing. Cause I'm like, well, what if I, you know, what if I screw it up and I look yeah. like it, like an idiot or like a jerk? Like, am I going to say something that's like, that's going to like fuck up a relationship? Like whether if it's like romantic or just friendship or just like someone on the street, just like, I don't know. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, that speaks just more to me right now about masculinity because I have experience in that and learning about that. And every time I've questioned or I've just asked questions to my friends who are women. I'm always fascinated by like, oh no, this is what's really going on. And I've been doing that kind of questioning for ever because I'm just a curious person. But I think it was very easy for me to be like, oh, out of sight, out of mind. I don't, that's unfortunate that that happens, but I it, I don't see it, you know, and not to the point where like, I don't believe any anyone who's said that stuff, but it's just like, oh, that's unfortunate, but it's not in my life. So I'll carry, I'll just carry on and Right, right. Yeah. You don't experience it. Yeah. Yeah. And so every time I had, every time someone had a story, I was like, oh my God. And then I don't know what it is about that summer. It was just like, 
it was like a wave hitting me like a really big wave just like oh no this is what's been going on forever <laughs> yeah and the people that told you these stories it's not like oh it's a like that's a thing of the past now it's like no it can can still happen and the people around you and and then i would just look at how i look at the world and how i go about in my life with my thoughts my decisions and you know why do i speak to this person differently than the other person what's so different mm. between the two Oh, is it because they're different genders or they're different races or they're different heights or I don't know. I just, uh, and I was like, oh, so I was, it was a lot of having to step back and just look at how I watched media and like what I thought about different characters and what I thought was funny and what I used to watch and which was not all bad. I'm not saying like everything I watched was like toxic or, or sent the wrong message, but the things but that it's so prevalent, you don't even you don't even yeah. notice it. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I think is so like, cool and really needed about the conversations that you're having, because you're like focusing on things that you wouldn't even pay attention to. But the fact that you're calling them out, and you know, I like I listened to one episode that you did on this series, how I met your mother, which like, <laughs> <laughs> in the time, like so many people watch that show, like it was just a show. But I, I went back recently before I, I knew that you had that podcast episode and I watched it and I was like, how did I watch this? Like, yeah. it's crazy. It's just, yeah, it's nuts how many things we just like let by because we're so used to it. Oh, yeah, that was and I loved that show. And then I saw that and I just thought about it differently. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I saw like articles and I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is a problem. Like, this isn't yeah. this is problematic. <laughs> and so it's hard to say, you know, it's easy to say, like, well, how do they do that? How can they write those things? And how can we get, like, why would they sign on to that? And it's like, I would love to say, like, oh, why, did, why didn't they know and say something? Well, there's so it's so complicated in that, in that way. But it does make you think that, like, oh, I wonder, like, how much did they know? How much were they aware of? But looking back, it's it's like, I can't believe that was on. And people, like looked up to Barney or, or like, yeah, yeah Barney's, Barney's my favorite. And it's like, he's horribly troubled. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, so totally. Funny. And that was supposed to be like such a funny character. And now like we hear a lot now about like, you know, representation and who's in the writer's room and all that stuff, which is so important. Like maybe some of those things were happening because it was, I don't know enough about it, but maybe there just weren't the right people in the room. But I sometimes ask myself, yeah, but what would I have done differently if I was in that room? Because some of that humor was like just what was funny at the time, even as a female, like even as a female, yeah. I wasn't offended by it, you know? So it's not like you can just blame everything on like, oh, it was an all male writing room because would it have been different if there were a few women? Probably a little bit different, but like the humor was still what it was. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I think about, I think about that too. And I think one thing we talked about in that podcast was like, I think it was easier to laugh at the jokes that you knew they were jokes. And so it's like, mm -hmm. well, of course that's fucked up, but that's, it's funny, you know? Yeah. Like I wouldn't do that in real life. So I can, or like, I don't know, something like that. And I think maybe it was to that point of unawareness and maybe even fear for my, for myself to realize that if I think that's funny, then what does that mean type of thing? But I was like, oh, it's a joke. Like I can, you know. Right. Yeah. It's not serious. And it's just the shock factor. You're, you like allow yourself to laugh because you know it's shocking and it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But 
Before we dive in a little bit deeper, can you give us a brief like history of Josh? Like what have you done as a career? Like, you know, who is Josh Gannon? (laughs) Well, I grew up in Thousand Oaks, California, and I was very interested in film and television. I didn't really know what I wanted to do in high school. I knew a lot of friends who did, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to go to this place and this place. And so I was always trying to think of what am I going to do, I think, Mm -hmm. um, Knowing my role, ever since I read The Giver, I'm always inter- I've always been interested in like, what is people's roles in society? And so I was really into it, in a, not in a good way, where I was like, I have to know, I have to know. The year when my junior year or senior year of high school, I was like, well, I really like film and, and television. It makes me laugh and I like sitcoms. Maybe I could learn how to do that. And so I went to film school. I went to San Francisco State and it was great for what it was because I got there and they were like, we don't have money, but we can help <laughs> you in other ways, you know? And so, which I really liked because it was really honest. And I like when mm-hmm. people of authority are really honest with people who don't have that authority, it's just easier for me to trust them. And so I was like, yeah, I'm in. Like, just teach me yeah. about the very basics that, you know, that make a good story or a good film. And you don't always have to have a lot of money. And I was like, yeah, that's great. And um, and San Francisco at the time is 2008 to 2012. It was very, it was, it's a lot of arts, but not a lot of like Los Angeles art scene because it's just not a lot of narrative. People that were there were there to tell a story and they like really cared about the stuff. They weren't, people weren't worried about a lot of commerce at the time, but I was also in college and just trying to figure out things. I'm not too sure if I really was like up to date with the city. But it just felt that way. I didn't feel like I was being pressured to do so many things outside of trying to be a good storyteller. Yeah, that's and, cool. Yeah, and I, I just really enjoyed it. And I graduated, I came back home. And I so like the usual like film student trip to move to Los Angeles, quote unquote, it wasn't hard just because I'm from Ventura County. And so I, w- I came back and lived uh, with some friends' parents. And I would travel into the city for work. And I was very lucky, very pl- privileged to get work and get and be able to do free work to pass my name around. And I wanted to direct. And then I was like, how do I get closer to directing? And then I became a script supervisor. And for those of you who don't know, that is the person on set that tries to, they do many things, but the biggest, most general blanket task of that job is to prevent any continuity errors where... In one shot, you could be holding like a football and then the next shot you're holding a basketball, like those kind of, like something doesn't match up entirely between each shot. And I'm right next to the director. And so I learned a lot about directing. And then I did that for about eight years and I was very burnt out after five, but I was the only skill I knew that would pay me a lot of money to, that paid me more than rent in one gig. And that whole time I was thinking like, I got to do something else, like, this isn't a real job, even though it is <laughs> in my head. My it's a head, very was, real job. <laughs> it is a very real job, but I was thinking like, I was like, I gotta do, I just gotta do something else. Like I can be like a teacher or I, I just wanted to contribute to society in some positive way. And I just thought my interest in filmmaking is not doing that. And that's, but that's my take, obviously, you know, stories and art and and film and television is very important to society, but I was like, it's just not for me anymore. And so I'm very slowly transitioning into the next thing, which I'm trying to go back to school and get my master's in social work. 
and, cool. uh, yeah, and try and work more with the goal as for now, obviously it can change. And I'm really saying that for myself to be <laughs> accepting if it does change. The goal for now is to work with boys and younger men on their emotional intelligence, because I know we aren't taught how to be emotionally intelligent. And I think if we are, it'd be a better world or a better yeah. community, at least. And then the community can build larger and larger and larger. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much as a mom of a little boy. I think about that often. I think about that so often because, you know, when he falls down or whatever, it's like, oh, don't cry. Like, boys don't cry. Like, you know, whatever. And, but it's just interesting. It's, I never really thought about it as much until I started raising a little boy. And I'm constantly questioning how would we would raise a little girl differently. And I don't know. It's interesting. So that's a really, very cool thing that you want to study and so so needed yeah which like takes us right back to the topic of boys will be human so you kind of talked a little bit at the outset about like this topic of masculinity toxic masculinity i mean i hope this is a phrase that people are familiar with but can you just give a little bit of a definition of what toxic masculinity might be yeah, it's it has a it has a couple big definitions. The one that I use the most is that it's it can be placed into three behaviors, not only three, but these are the biggest three. Where it's like you use violence as an indicator of power, you keep up an appearance of hardness, and you suppress emotions and you cause mm-hmm. distress. And so, usually, if you are acting out in one of those three ways, it can be it is toxic. But I think the word toxic means death. And so I think a lot of people think like, oh, it's automatically just like being really, really harmful, or it means you're only hurting, like if I'm not hurting someone else, then I'm not being toxic, but you can really hurt yourself by suppressing your own emotions and not allowing yourself to cry or to feel every emotion possible besides anger and and joy. But it's, yeah, it's usually like bigger versions of aggression and whatever you think manhood is it's like that like on steroids of like you have to keep that up in order to be a man like there's a certain way you have to act in order to be like accepted or to be yeah to be accepted in society and those behaviors can be very dangerous for not just yourself but for other people yeah definitely it's like a ticking time bomb if you're suppressing emotions yeah and one a lot of a lot of topics about the term toxic masculinity is how a lot of people say like well how can masculinity be toxic because i don't think it's toxic by itself and to that i say i think it's different i think you can be masculine but you don't that doesn't mean you have to be toxic like you don't you Mm -hmm. you don't have to join in on being toxic i I can't think of the word i don't want to say toxically masculine um (laughs) no but it's like it it's a valid point. And I, I was going to sort of ask you the same thing. It's like this phrase, toxic masculinity gives masculinity in itself a bad name, like a bad rap. And like, I don't think that's what anybody is trying to say. Like nobody's trying to say like being a man is a bad thing, right? It's just that there are these, like, like you said, these expressions of masculinity that are not healthy for anyone. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's easier for them to say like, well, why are you trying to make masculinity toxic? It's like my, the one analogy I came up for it is like, if I have a banana, it's a banana, <laughs> then it gets rotten. Now it's a rotten banana and it's yeah. dangerous. But that doesn't mean if it's rotten, then 
the whole time it was rotten. It just means now you've, it's gone past its due date to be healthy and now it's rotten. And now I need, now we need to fix it or to, we need to fix it. I'm not gonna say throw it away, but in a banana analogy, then yeah, obviously you're gonna right. throw it away. But, yeah. Um, yeah. It seems like, oh, if you're masculine, then you're automatically toxic. And that's not, that's not the case. It's a possibility, but it's yeah. not automatic just because you're a man or just be, or maybe you're presenting masculine in whatever identity you identify as. Yeah. Well, what would be some examples and like, maybe even you could share some examples of guests you've had on the show of what would be the flip side of that? Like what would be, I guess, healthy masculinity or positive masculinity present as? I mean, I had trouble thinking about this when I first started because yeah, if it's like masculinity is bad and it's all you hear, it's easy for people to think like, oh, then it's only bad. Like, and that's unfair. But it's mm-hmm. really just, you know, just expressing a full range of emotion, especially sadness and, and crying and validating other boys and men to be whoever they are. Like, it's okay to have an interest in women and girls, but not to objectify them. Mm-hmm. And, and I definitely need help with this kind of definition from uh, a company called A Call to Men, uh, which is a great company. And the CEO, Tony Porter, has a, a TED Talk about a lot of stuff, but it's really just showing a lot of it can be just showing other boys and other men what it's like to be respectful. And it's really just, it's really a lot of it is just teaching other boys and men how to be a good person mm-hmm. who just happen to be men. I would expect girls and daughters and, and mothers to teach their daughters about how to be a good person. But I think it's more like, well, that, well, of course that's going to happen because that's because women are more likely to be emotionally intelligent, you know, and because of X, Y, and Z. But since boys aren't not nearly to the same effect, it feels like a a brand new thing, or like a or like is this possible? Or uh, right? Or it seems yeah. It's almost like as as you're talking, I'm thinking like it's almost like redefining the word strength because I think for so yeah. long it was like like strength is like a masculine word, and like you wouldn't think of women being emotionally intelligent as strong, even though that is exactly what it is. You just think like, well, they're emotional. They're women. They have emotions. Like it doesn't look like. Hysterical. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like the, the, the negative side effects of the emotions. Right. But I don't know. It's kind of interesting, like hearing you talk about it. I think just because men that can recognize their feelings and also be helping other men and boys to do the same. That's, extremely powerful that's much stronger than holding it in or exploding or acting out of aggression like it's sort of like you know redefining yeah i guess just say what i've already said three times like it's just like redefining (laughs) strength (laughs) yeah and it's like it's so interesting because like men aren't the only masculine beings Mm -hmm. on earth we just associate all masculinity with men and all femininity with, with women. And I, I remember I saw there's this chart and it's like feminine qualities and masculine qualities. And I just asked myself like, Oh, is there any point in my life where I'm only one side? Mm. And it's, it's impossible. It's just, I think we're more allowed to be more masculine if you're a man or quote unquote society's masculine as a man. And then mm-hmm. vice versa with women on, feminine side and it's so tough because i try to shy away from the word strength because it just um okay well only (laughs) only because it makes it sound like masculine is strong so then 
does that mean feminine is weak? And it's right. so that's why it's like if we keep the word strength, then we just got to keep saying like, oh yeah, women are masculine too. Like it's it's possible, right. you know, yeah. which isn't a, which isn't a normal. It's not a norm, which is unfortunate because yeah, there's no way like not one person is only logical. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think it's just that strength is not a masculine or feminine word. I think it's just like there's strength in showing your emotions, regardless of who you are, and there's strength yes. in respecting others and caring for the world. And yeah, a couple of questions came in from our team. And one of the questions, this is sort of along the same lines, but I'm wondering, or we're wondering as a team, what masculinity kind of compares or how it compares around the world. Like, is anybody getting it right? Is anybody not a great example of masculinity? What have you seen or heard? I'm not surprised when I hear like the Scandinavian countries get it right because it's, mm-hmm. it's built into their, into their society and it's in their laws. And I really only know that because I have a college roommate who lives in Denmark right now and he's seeing these differences and obviously America's getting it wrong. Or a majority of America. I'm not saying, obviously, it's not me. Like, every American is getting it wrong. It's just sure. the way the way the country's set up and the way it's run. But I, w- I would say around the world, yeah, like the Danish, <laughs> Danish, the, the Danes. And um, what's an example of how it's written into their laws? One example that my, my friend told me is that I think on their bus routes, there's room for a stroller. And hmm. so it has to be voted on by men and women to make sure that that's possible and how people have like paid time off and parental leave. And there's not a lot of gender role mixing. It's not weird to see like uh, a woman be the breadwinner or the father to be, to, to clean mm-hmm. <laughs> in general, mm-hmm. or uh, to make dinner, or to cook or to take care of the kids at the house and change diapers and, and all that stuff. When over here, it's like, the father gets applauded if he just shows up to an appointment. Totally. You know, but yeah, there's, I, I feel like it's more welcomed to be like, Oh yeah, do what you got to do. And it doesn't matter what gender you are or how you identify because they're listening. It, it feels like obviously. Yeah. That's like revolutionary. <laughs> it sounds like, and it's like, should be the standard, but it just sounds, I mean, I just, I don't see that ever happening on this side of the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it's more of a, I mean, it feels equal, which is what we all want, but the actual steps to making that happen. It, I don't, I don't know if they're as easy to, as to acquire than to just have the thought like, Oh yeah, that should happen. But I feel like they're actually right. in, in Denmark and yeah. maybe Norway and, and the, that's interesting how kind of like the law um, changes the culture and probably vice versa. Like I, it'll be yeah. interesting to kind of see how things change over the next 20 to 30 years. And I'm, I'm in Mexico. So like we're speaking of the, you know, kind of talking about the Americas, but I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a long road for any, like I said, anywhere on this side of the world. I just thinking how machismo and everything things are here. I don't see, don't see any, equality happening anytime soon <laughs> yeah and it's and it's like every time someone wants to speak out about something something happens where i don't know it's just scary to speak out in america yeah um, it's just scary. so it's yeah. who knows who knows how long it'll take 
but as long as I guess we, I guess I'll add myself in as long as we keep trying or just doing something, it's better than just like letting it ride out and just know that it's wrong. Well, yeah. And also like, it's a really, it is very hopeful to know that it can be done correctly. Like it can be done in a way that's healthy for everybody. And I, I almost think like what they've done, the, at least what you're describing in Denmark is like, they've put the child in the center of everything instead of like man versus woman. It's like, whatever's best for the child, like having the stroller lane, that's kind of like, yeah. And, and if that's like the center of everything that you do, that's like, what's it's better for the growth of your society, the health of your society. If like, the children are the center of everything that you do. I think all the other stuff, you know, should take a back seat. It's just kind of, I don't know. I had never really thought about anything like that until you explained that, but it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, who cares who makes the, who cleans the dishes, who cooks the most or, or more, or who cares who, you know, wipes or gives the children a bath. They just need to be right. bathed. <laughs> exactly. They need to be cleaned up with a new diaper. It's, but it can be stuck in our head of like, well, I don't, you know, like as a man, I, I need to do this and I, I, I need to provide, but financially at least. Do you think any improvements have been made in our society, like in the U S or on this side of the globe? I mean, I do think this generation coming up is more aware of being emotionally intelligent and talking about these things. I mean, I, that's just a hope. It, it just feels like it is, or I guess I'm not surprised if I see someone who's, who is Gen Z, who is more aware of these problems in like media or, or mm-hmm. how people talk to each other or how it's, you know, I don't know. Like there is this, there's this one TikTok where uh, a boy and a girl wore the same thing and the girl got a dress code violation and the boy did not oh. And I think the boy was wearing less. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just seeing that type of idea and seeing how young they are and seeing how aware of all those things are. And maybe I was aware of that, but I just didn't have, you know, the gumption <laughs> to follow through with that and to record mm-hmm. it on a, on a, on a phone. <laughs> sure. Just, it wasn't possible back then to record yeah. it on a phone. It does give me more hope and we're on the right path, but it's, yeah. it's not, a, it's not a fast one. It certainly feels that way. I mean, I work with young people and it certainly feels that way. Even the stuff we talk about just as a team, it's not the stuff I was talking about with my friends. You know, they're just, they're way more aware. They care so much more about their fellow humans. And I think as much negative stuff there is about social media that I think that like what you just said about TikTok, like that's one positive thing that can come out of it is just the global awareness of really important issues. Yeah, I agree. That's cool. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad there's, there's hope at least like, like you said, we don't have the the data to prove it, but we could feel it. We could feel that there's hope. <laughs> yeah. It feels good. Yeah, it does feel good. Uh, so this, topic that we're talking about now is in our class, our podcast class on relationships. And so I, we haven't really talked too much about how like mass toxic masculinity or masculinity in general can affect relationships. And I'm just curious to kind of hear as you've learned from doing your podcast, have you noticed a difference in your own relationships or have your guests talked about how it affects or doesn't impact their relationship? 
I have noticed it and it's really easy when you're in the conversation and then it's harder when you're outside the conversation because I've interviewed people who are my friends and then I meet up with them in a different scenario and then I'm like, oh no, we're, I'm like kind of back to where I was before the mm. conversation. And I just realized that a lot of men have the same, if not more, insecurities about themselves as anyone else. We want the same things, but we're just afraid to say it because we'll look weak and we'll look, you know, feminine, which is not a good thing for some reason. You know, I hear stories of like, oh, yeah, like I wanted to say something, but I didn't feel I wasn't like up to it or mm. or I, uh, I pushed people away. And I, you know, I, you know, I realized that I even myself can push people away with my, you know, suppressing emotions, which is one of the traits that I said earlier. Yeah. And it's just, it's really been a wake up call, especially with bigger podcasts where it has like five or more people. Cause then I can see like at the same time, how we're like all together on it. We all want the same thing, but as men, we can be afraid to, to ask for it, mm. whether it means just like connection or even intimacy. And it doesn't mean sexual intimacy. It just means yeah. intimacy. Like if I hug my best friend for longer than five seconds i don't want to think like oh am i am i still straight like you know what i mean like I don't, <laughs> right yeah or am i crossing a line yeah and i can still have that thought which is so i i hate that i do but i'm like oh yeah like i i enjoyed that like that was what i have to like step back mentally but in the moment i'm like oh yeah it was good to see you man like so hopefully you know i'll like quote unquote like butch it up with like saying like yeah dude like for sure like uh yeah right, like even right. my voice even though i've known this person <laughs> let's go level. have some steak <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh we're all the same but we're not we don't give ourselves the chance to truly be ourselves because we don't want to be ridiculed yeah but i think like I mean, I think that's true of everybody. I mean, I know we're we're talking about how like specific things you feel are like you have to be more manly about it or whatever, but I think there's an aspect of approval that we we all seek, you know. And I don't necessarily think that has to do with masculinity or femininity, although there there probably are things on that spectrum like I I find myself constantly exactly like you just said not asking for approval but wanting approval like in the way that I mother like things that would definitely be more feminine you know or like wanting mm -hmm. approval from my mother-in-law and things like that which like who cares like you know but <laughs> I think yeah, we all yeah, yeah. we all do it to some some extent 100%. And I think it's normal you want to be liked and you want to be liked for who you are but and somewhere in your past, you probably were like made fun of for something. So then you say sorry every time you do it in front of a total stranger. And yeah, I think it's completely normal. Yeah, totally. Do you think, I guess what I'm hearing you saying is times when you should be more expressive or ask for something that you need, you're not. And that like that can obviously have a negative effect on relationships. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah, because... If I don't open up, like if I don't open up about what's going on, then it can make me shudder in and only hold everything that I have to myself when actually the help that I need is community. Whether if it's to like a partner or another friend or a group of friends, it can really slow you down and really paralyze you if we don't try and reach out and say like, hey, I'm having this problem. Have you ever had this problem? 
are like, this is what I'm going through, just to be mm-hmm. honest. And if you do that enough where you hold back, then it kind of makes you all rigid emotionally. And you're like, well, I can't, I've got nowhere else to go emotionally besides yeah. anger or absolute happiness, but like anxiety, fear, disgust, or crying from sadness. We just need to reach out. And that doesn't mean like reach out to like the entire world or, or broadcast it on social media. It could just be like one person or one other person if you have if you have someone. It doesn't need to be the whole world. It could even be a therapist to start and then go from there with other people in your life that are in your day to day. Right. We'll be right back after a quick message from our partners. Need a logo for your business, a website to showcase your products and or services, a poster for your upcoming event, or art for your next big music album? How about custom wedding invitations, menu designs for your restaurant, or marketing collateral to promote your latest company launch? Whether you're looking for assistance creating unique on-screen or print designs, let Dory Chronic help turn your dreamy ideas into a visual reality. Combining graphic design, photography, and mixed media art, Dory is a true creative powerhouse with over 12 years of experience working professionally in the creative field. We would know. Dory designed our podcast logo and she's helped us with a variety of other design projects throughout the years. So whether you're a large organization, a small company, or simply striking out on your own, let Dory provide expert, friendly, and collaborative creative services catered to your unique situation. Take a look at her work and contact her at dorychronic.com, D-O-R-E-Y-K-R-O-N-I-C-K.com. Follow her on Instagram as dorychronic or check her out on Facebook as dorychronic art and design. Knit Marketing hires teens. Yep, it's our social mission to give lots of young people quality jobs, but it's also because they do excellent creative work. In addition to hiring and training our own team, we love to help businesses grow their own youth teams. Whether you're starting a summer internship program or hiring a social media manager, give us a call and we'll walk you through everything you need to know about youth employment. We'll even train your team for you. Go to knitmarketing.com slash knit academy to learn more. Okay, so at the outset of our talk, you kind of talked about a couple things that define what toxic masculinity is. Do you have a few things that people can start to do to kind of combat that or kind of, you know, progress in the opposite direction? I'd say a big thing is to self-reflect with your actions and your words, because that's what you're showing to the world. And obviously that can come from who you are internally and how you feel. Um, whether if it's anxiety or just fear of looking weak. And it takes a lot of introspection, which isn't easy. I think it's it's maybe a little bit easier for me to say that and do that just because I've always been that person. But I would say you have to look at your own emotions. And when when you feel something, you have to stop and say and think, why do I feel this way now? What's going on? You kind of have to be maybe like a mini version of your own therapist to start and just see like, oh, this is what's happening. You don't have to know why because that's that's really why I go to therapy is to like, I'm like, these are my thoughts and my actions. What does it mean? That's what I do in therapy. One of many things. But I'm really aware of, 
oh, why do, why do I think this way? Why did I say that? Why do I enjoy this versus something that's the opposite, but it's not harmful to anyone? You know, like, why are we okay with seeing women in dresses, but we see a man in a dress? And it's like, whoa, or like, and vice versa. Like, if we, like, but why if we see a man in a suit, we think, oh, that's okay. And if we see a woman in a suit, you could think something else. Maybe it's not the same reaction as a man in a dress, but it's still different from mm-hmm. other aspects. And it's like little things like that. Like it, it's, it's, it has to start with yeah, self-reflection and why do I say these things? Why do I maybe make these jokes? Why do I, you know, how do, how do you feel in different moments when you feel anxious, when you feel scared about something or when you feel just like taken back, like, oh, why is that? And it's not always like revelatory. Every time you do that, it just, you're more aware of, of who you are and mm-hmm. you got to see like what one thing I do is if I feel this way here, then what does that mean in the opposite? Is it the same mm-hmm. or is it not? And why is it different in my head and just in my head, not even with societal's acceptance? I think that's a good place to start. And if you can go on yeah. and if you have more questions or if you have, if and you can't find any more answers, you know, then maybe a therapist or, or just a counselor, someone to talk to who is trained in speaking about these things. It can help you navigate your thoughts a lot better than maybe just you yourself. Um, I mean, even therapists or counselors have therapists and counselors. You know, it's like it's right. there's not like yeah. everybody needs that at some point, I think. But yeah, self-reflection. Absolutely. You start with self-reflection yeah. and if something doesn't match up between different people, then ask, why is it different in my head? Why do I react differently when it's this person versus this person? Or why do I think that joke's funny when, or like when this thing is not funny or, you know? Yeah. Do you think going to therapy is not typically a masculine thing to do? Typically and societally, no. But in right. my head, 100%. <laughs> because you're taking care of I think, you know, you're giving, you, you're giving yourself that self-love that you need to survive. You're taking care of your sanity, I, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the same thing, you know, like when you take care of your stuff, things work out. But I think when, right. when people think like, oh, my feelings and my emotions are on the line with another person, then I can't do that because emotions and feelings and that's for other people. That's what... That's what women do or what they're allowed to do. And I, I can't do that. I need to be the quote unquote strong man and all the stigma with feeling yeah. crazy just by going or just thinking like, oh, there's, if I have to go, then there's a problem. And so if I don't go, there's no problem. And then I'm good. Yeah. It just goes along with covering things up. Yeah. I've, I've never heard someone say, you know what? I didn't talk about it and it was all good. <laughs> yeah. Or, right. I had a pain in my leg and I didn't treat it, but I'm still walking. Like I'm, I'm good now. I'm good now. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. And that comes with everyone's different comfortability levels. It's, you know, as much as I'd love for everyone to be in therapy, if I demand someone to be in therapy, they're not going to go. <laughs> sure. So, so I'm just saying it's a helpful tool if you would like to access it. And yeah. luckily, the, yeah. luckily, the stigma of going to therapy is way down from even just five years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, but especially when I was a 20 year old, because I thought I can't go to therapy. I'm not I'm not crazy. There's also like lots of easier ways to do it now, like even yeah. 
before the pandemic, but especially during and eventually after, I think there's so many accessible online ways that if you didn't even want to tell anybody that you were in therapy, you could still be in therapy very easily and affordably. Yeah. I'm just very open about going because I just want people to see that it's okay. And yeah, I think that's great. I like talking about this. I want it to be destigmatized. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for sharing and being vulnerable with us. I have one final question for you because our podcast is one for lifelong learners. And so I want to know what's something, and it doesn't have to be on the topic that we've been talking about, although it could be what's something in life that you've learned that you wish you would have known sooner. I would say that you're not alone. And if you're going through something, like everyone's going through something and that's okay that if you're going, if you're going through something, that's what I'd say. Like, yeah. I think a lot of times we're just like, only my, only I'm going through this thing. And that's where it's hard to be like, well, if you have, if you have to talk about it, they have to share it and you don't know if they're going through the same thing, but everyone's going through something and we're just trying to get, we're just trying to get through the day and you're not yeah. alone. That's what I'd say. I love that. And it does sometimes take a long time to learn that lesson. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you so much, Josh. If you want people to find you, where can they find you? Well, actually, I just have I just have the podcast because I'm not I'm actually not on social media. So right now I just have the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify anywhere. Anywhere you can get a podcast. And um, all right. Well, yeah, if you like it so much, you can like rate it and review it and I can look at those and maybe start a conversation. Who knows? Yeah, that sounds great. And we'll definitely put links to that in our show notes. Thank you so much again, Josh. And I'm sure that everybody will get a lot out of this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. The 13th Grade Podcast is a production of Knit Marketing. Music written and performed by Adewale Williams and Yusuf Blake. Sound editing and engineering by Antonio Ojeda. And I'm your host, Rebecca Burrow. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe like and leave a review and we'll see you next class.